Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley. I am here with Kedrick Prince, our director of recruiting, and he and I will talk for a few minutes, and then later on we will have Brad Sturdy on the podcast as well. Um, Kedrick, uh, Illinois ends up winning sixty-eight to forty-seven in against Alabama A and M, which was ranked something like three hundred and thirty-four. Um, there was a point where it was a one point game late in the, you know, midway second half, um, Illinois looked lost the first half of the second half. Um, now it's, it's, it's kind of a disappointing win leaves a little bad taste in fans mouths, but I do want to say one thing you won by 21 points. This isn't the John Gross era where a game like this probably would have got out of control and we would have been like wondering why we're Illini fans. But at the same time, John Gross never put together a roster that's nearly what this team is with, you know, the the staff doing, you know, a bang up job in recruiting. And that includes, you know, um, Jeff Alexander, but also obviously Tim Anderson and Chester Frazier. Um, a couple give me your your top level thoughts coming out of of this game that was again a 21 point win but from a style point standpoint was was kind of a old style win and ugly i'm going to be a cheerleader tonight do you know that cheer uh back in the day u g l y you ugly you ugly that's <laughs> that's what it was mike yep. i'm sorry that was ugly nothing pretty about it but they won. I mean, it's you take the win, but it was not pretty. And I think the fans and even the coaches, probably after losing to Penn State, you know, they were excited. And I had people calling me, hey, you know, should I take the spread? Should I take the spread? I'm like, no, 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 because they've had a week off. It's tough for a lot of kids to come out of finals to play well. But um, they played, I think, today – they play uninspired basketball. Last Saturday, they got beat by a better team, is my take. But today, it was just really uninspired. Um, not a lot of effort. And I don't. you don't need um, the Orange Crush to get you to play basketball. Because if you lose that game today, that is devastating. That, is, that definitely eliminates the um, UCLA win in Texas win in my eyes. So I just thought it was an ugly win. But at the end of the day, um, in a month from now, that's going to count in the win column and people are going to think about it. Yeah, um, and, and it was it was one of those games that, um, you know, I go back to um, even even back to my old playing days. You know, I, I had to play for an injured point guard and I started I stopped looking for shots and fashioned myself to be the the assist master. And my coach one point had to scream at me in practice and say, you're, you're not magic Johnson, go score. We need some points. Um, has, has, has Coleman Hawkins, you know, only taking five shots being six foot 10 had opportunities. Has he fallen in love maybe too much with the assist? Cause he had a couple, you know, beautiful assist today, but is he maybe just because of how he's, he's looking at it right now is he kind of maybe lost a little bit in terms of just saying, Hey, I'm open. I should just knock this down. What do you think it is? I, I don't know. Well, I wish I knew what it was, but I'm going to tell you 
as a reporter slash whatever you want to call it, I don't like it. I'm just going to be honest with you because I think as Brad Underwood calls it, teams are going to start to doink him, which means that they're going to start guarding him. He looks to pass every time. He does yeah. not think – he doesn't think score first. And it's okay to be a guy who wants to, to distribute the basketball. But I want to see him score. The team needs him to score because it's just so Illinois. And here's what I mean by that. To start the season, he was good. Terrence Shannon was good. And we were all saying, wait till Matthew, a.k.a. Michael Myers – Big yeah, hot and catch. I'm only saying that, guys, because Big Ten Network called him Michael Myers today again. Um, yeah, I was during halftime, but um, they were all saying, Wait till Matthew Meyer gets hot, then it's going to be a complete team. Well, now he's playing well, and now you, you ask about Coleman, he's not looking to score. I want to see him score. I don't, he doesn't have to be a 20 point game score, but he's passing open shots. There was two times in the first half. He had a wide open three. The ball had moved, touched the hand three or four different times, and then he ball faked, and the defense reacted. Then he doesn't have a shot. I mean, to me, if you're open, I don't think coach is going to say, "Hey, you know, if three or four people touch the ball, you you, you shoot it, he's going to get mad at you because uh, he don't say anything to Sky Clark because he'll come down one or two passes and he'll shoot it, and so will Jay Nepps. And I think Coleman will get that green light. I think right now, Mike, it hurts the team him not doing that. Um, he didn't look to score against Penn State. If you really think about it, there were opportunities where he, that he was sticking pass, pass first. That's okay, but this team is not going to be what they think it could be if he doesn't look to score. There's no way Coleman shouldn't be a 12 to 15 point game score. I'm a, at least eight rebounds and five assists. That should be really good numbers from him. And if he's looking for the NBA with his skill set, that's going to get it done for him. But right now, five shots. And he passed up at least eight or nine, and the Big Ten, he's going to pay for doing that. Yeah, and and again, I, I don't put that his I don't think that his heart's in the wrong place. I think he's trying to involve his teammates, and he is doing that. I just think, like anything else, if you have too much water, you drown. If you have too much too much oxygen, you you die. And if you're not, you know, if you're looking to be the ultimate teammate and never look for your own shot, well, that's that's the same thing. Too much of anything is is a bad thing. Even too much Papa Dell. Well, I don't know if there's too much Papa Dells. <laughs> I mean, that may be the one exception. Um, as you as you watched it, um, you know, the the other thing we saw out there um, today is we saw Matthew quote Michael Meyer. <laughs> Uh, go out there and and um, you know he had the type of game that we were expecting from a guy who was the the one of the highest ranking um, you know transfers in the transfer portal nationally. He's starting to round into form, so maybe you can talk a little bit about what we're seeing from him. You know what I, I, I like this kid. I like his demeanor. If I'm a kid like Matthew, this is just me. And he came to Illinois, and he was sitting. And I thought, well, maybe it's his, you know, maybe he's injured. Maybe it's the conditioning. We were all guessing why he wasn't playing. But this kid will sit on the bench. I, I know he had foul trouble there. I mean, I'm not stupid. I saw that. But this kid will sit on the bench, and they're make, the other opposing team is making a run, and he's dancing in the background to the music. 
nothing phases him. And I love his demeanor and I love his attitude. He just doesn't get mad about little things. And I think that's great uh, because he told us during media day, he's been there before. Nothing is going to phase him. He's outspoken with the media. He doesn't hide anything. Um, I like his game. I think right now he's coming to form. And he's a guy that I think can single-handedly. Now, if you look at a guy on the team, He's a guy other than I think right now, other than Terrence Shannon. I mean, he's who's not shooting the ball great right now that can single-handedly win a game for you. Matthew's very, very capable of doing that. That's not Coleman's game. It's just not. Coleman can affect the game in other areas, but Matthew is a guy that can flat out do that in my personal opinion. But, Mike, if you don't mind, I want to um, mention a few things here. To me, you know, People went into this season looking at the big picture and thinking, okay, this team's going to be better um, late in you know January, February, March. But I, I'm going to throw some statistics out there that are concerning to me, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give more than one game, so it's not people thinking you're just picking one game. Let's go back to the Texas game. Well, here, here, let me preface this before I say this: good teams find ways to win games, but they do the little things that are very, very important to win games. Here's number one. Now, they beat Texas. They shoot 67% from the free throw line. Most good teams shoot 72 to 75% as a team. Okay? That game, Illinois had 17 turnovers against Texas. Last Saturday against Penn State, they were 6 for 12 from the free throw line. Obviously, that's 50%. They have 12 turnovers, which is great. But you know what? Penn State only had nine. Right. Then you go, you go to today's game. 13 for 23. 56% and 18 turnovers. Good teams who win championships and advance to the Sweet 16, teams turn the ball over 14 times or less or shoot 72, 75% from the free throw line. They're not doing it. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to go on offense, go on record, hear me saying this. They do that against Missouri on a neutral court, they're going to get beat. And I can assure you, after watching Northwestern play a couple of times, they're going to have a hard time winning at Northwestern. Go up to um, uh, Walsh Ryan Arena and shoot 50% of the line, turn the ball over 20 times. That's going to be a recipe for disaster. Those are concerns that I have that they have to clean up. I understand turnovers are part of the game, but the free throw shooting, that's awful. Yep. Yep. And and I tell you, it's it's interesting. Um, it's just the other thing that I've seen is like Terrence Shannon Jr. didn't have a bad game tonight, but he has not had that that killer instinct since he had the head to head collision in Maryland. Seems like he's kind of more of a streak player now, you know, um, uh, it, it seems for a while, I guess he, he gets kind of lost in the offense, you know, he'll score two, three baskets and then he doesn't touch the ball for a while. What Today, do you see? Well, to be honest with you, I, I agree. I don't know if that's why, um, I think he's lost confidence in his shot because I'm going to tell you, in the Penn State game, I think he shot two or three air balls. I just I think he's lost confidence in his shot. Once he gets confidence and a couple shots go down, I think you'll see that come back in him. What I did like today, though, there was a play where um, he was driving baseline, and I believe it was uh, either Sincere or Scott Clark. It was one of the two. Um, they should have slipped to the baseline. He had a yep. wide open three. Didn't move, and I actually saw him direct him and tell him that's where he needed to go. And that was one of the things Coleman Hawkins talked about in his week during the weekly press conference 
was a freshman, understanding little things like that. Because it matters. Because instead of staying stagnant and not moving, he didn't get a shot. But if he goes baseline, he has an easy three-point shot or a ball they can get to the basket. Those are things that I think that the young guys need to learn, but they better learn them quick because the Big Ten season, once it's here, it's going to be upon us, and you're not going to have any more cupcakes. I don't see, and I'm including Northwestern and Nebraska, there are no cupcakes in the conference this year. I with you totally. Totally agree. Um, as you look at it, the other thing is kind of surprising. I'm going to throw a stat at you. Um, you know, Illinois did it as expected. They did, a, you know, a, a, you got 46 rebounds. Um, the the interesting thing was is the leader on the team was Sincere Harris with eight. And then, uh, you know, Jaden Epps, you know, playing guard, he ended up with four rebounds today, and he actually out-rebounded um, Terrence Shannon Jr., um, you know, which, which is something that, that I guess I would not have necessarily anticipated. Um, what do you think of these two freshmen's play uh, as they are starting to, you know, get get some minutes and, and Coach Underwood's hopefully starting to kind of get that lineup cemented for uh, the Big Ten season and who's going to play with whom? Well, I'm going to tell you right away before I answer that, I'm, I'm definitely falling in love with Sincere Harris. And that's tough for me. I'm going to say why it's tough because I'm an offensive guy. I like guys that can just make it rain and score. But this kid plays so hard defensively. I love watching him play. That's number one. Number two, Brad Underwood said this the first year he got there, and if you go back and look at it, he's always talked about his guards have to rebound. That's why he doesn't care about having seven-foot guys in there. If your guards can rebound, and a.k.a. Ayo Sumu, remember how good of a re- rebounder he was? He yeah. got on Trent Frazier about rebounding. He got on DeMonte about rebounding because your guards can get rebounds when bigs can't. And that's the thing. Like I think if every coach has something that they're really, really good at, I think Brad Underwood talking about holding teams like to 42% shooting at home is a recipe for winning, and I think his guards rebounding. So it doesn't surprise me with Sincere at all because his energy is just great. And the way he affects the game, I don't think – even if he makes a mistake, it's kind of hard to ever get mad at the kid because it's the little things – I mean, he will lay it on the line every time. If there's one guy on that team, you know, there's all these awards, postseason awards, and I don't care about upperclassmen, that kid – is the MVP energy bunny of this team because he brings it. And it's I enjoy watching him play. I really do. And nobody, including myself, thought he would get as many minutes as he's getting. He was the one guy that we thought that wouldn't see the floor. He's going to be in every game. And he's going to guard the team's best player. And I love watching him get, get in a stance and put pressure on point guards because it's miserable for them. Well, and the other thing is, is, you know, Ty Rogers kind of made his mark today on the defensive end. There were two times that, um, you know, he actually was uh, was stopping the ball uh, in a full-court situation where uh, Alabama A&M had to use a timeout. Um, you know, again, he, he had another one of those weird moments where he took a little too long to shoot that didn't, didn't work out, you know, well for him. But he did have five rebounds, had a lot of hustle, um, you know, turned an out of bounds play, you know, into almost a steal at the other end of the court. Um, I thought that that he that he jumped out, maybe played with a little more confidence tonight in terms as opposed to playing tentative. 
You can tell somebody says something to him. His energy level when he came in the game was different. And I don't know if fans saw this, but he played point guard for, for about a three or four minute stretch down the court, um, which was nice to see. I'm glad. What I like about him, he, he doesn't soak and pout because the game hasn't been great for him yet. I mean, right. it's going to get there. He's not going to be a guy that's going to give you 15, 20 points, but we all know what his game is. But he came out right away. And as soon as he got in the game, he got a rebound. Yes. And I started laughing because that's what he does. So those are things that win games for you. We, you know, we were talking about the turnovers and free throws, but having a guy that can do those little things. And I was happy that he didn't foul today because that's what's kept him off the floor. It's his silly fouls because he's so aggressive and he wants to play hard. There's a difference between playing hard, smart, and silly. And today, yeah. I thought he played. I thought he played smart today because it kept him on the floor. Yeah, I thought. I thought the same thing as well. Um, when it comes, were there any other thoughts that came to your mind after the this the way things were working for the this game? Yeah, I know it's going to be brought up. There's a couple of fans I know I, when I get off this podcast, it's probably going to be a couple of guys tweeting at me because how aggressive Coach Underwood was on the bench today. Here's what I'm going to say. I mean, I can't get mad about it, but I really wish the Big Ten Network wouldn't have focused so much on that. I didn't like it. I thought there was a bad look on their part. Um, Under was a fiery guy, but I will tell the fans who complain about this and think, oh, my gosh, I wouldn't play for him. I know because I talked to the coaches, I'm going to tell you, every one of those kids are told. They know what they're going to get when they get there. You know, when Underwood was mad last week, if you're, if you're a Twitter follower, you can clearly see, you know, Tan Shannon was the first guy to step up and say, hey, you know what, this is the best coach, and he's a guy that, you know, I like, blah, blah, blah. So they know. You can pick and choose. Is there a time for, you know, to get after kids? Yeah. But he knows the kids better than we do. I, I, now, I will tell you this. This, I'm sure, and I can tell you this because I'm I'm very good friends with Coleman Hawkins and his family. We grew up together. We're very, very good friends, and we you know, we hung out. We spent Christmases together, and I'll tell you, his dad, who played at San Diego State, Rodney Hawkins, has said to me multiple times, what Brad Underwood says to his son doesn't faze him, bother him, and, and I'm telling you, it's not just to say what people want to hear. This is me talking to him as a friend, as a parent. He doesn't care. And if that parent doesn't care, nobody else should care. Yeah, and it, it's it's hard. You know, we all have different ways we would do things. Um, and everybody thinks that they can coach because, you know, basketball is just a game and football is just a game. And so, I, you know, I, I can coach. Um, very few have done it at a high level. Uh, it, I will say that leading in the workplace – um, you know, you, you don't have, generally speaking, you don't have yelling in your, um, toolkit because, you know, in business, it's not really allowed. And I do think there is a time some, some people, um, respond better to, um, you know, uh, having a line drawn and other people yeah. respond better to somebody putting their arm around him, which you saw with, with him talking to, Matt Meyer, you know, at one point during the game. And so one of the things that um, we talked with Jeff Alexander, assistant coach about on the Atlanta guys sports spectacular was how do you decide, you know, and he said a lot of time the intent is important. And if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, not doing what you've been told to do and coach to do, that's a different response as opposed 
to trying. And, and I think the example there would be the, the uh, timeout that uh, prevented a three point shot from going in um, the coaches bought in that, you know, Hey man, Coleman was trying to do the best he could for the team. They didn't worry about it, never brought it up. Um, so I think they do pick and choose. I do think that if the big 10 network decides that if, if Underwood yells at one guy each game, but they're going to make sure they cover it. Um, you're going to get that Bobby Knight, Gene Cady, um, Bob Huggins reputation. Yep. And, I agree. and I think the big 10 network needs to figure out like, you know, if, if he's, if he spends, um, you know, two minutes a game yelling, if you're going to show that two minutes, um, that puts a lot of pressure on that coach then because, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of other things going on that they don't necessarily get a hold of. Yeah, like you mentioned, like you know the Matthew situation, or you know um, I've seen him get after a kid, and then I've seen the other side of it where you know he acts like he's their best friend and he's their father. You know, you know what he wants. He wants the kids to continue what his vision is to play basketball at the University University of Illinois. You have to flat out be a quote-unquote dog and be aggressive, like a sincere Harris. You got to – or like Ty Rodgers diving on the floor. How many times do you see that out-of-bounds not play when teams just let you throw it in? Against sincere Harris and Ty Rodgers, that doesn't happen. Why do you think those guys are on the team? Because those are the kind of kids that he likes. He doesn't like finesse guys that aren't aggressive and who are who won't go in there and mix it up and, and guard people and rebound. That's just who Underwood is. And you know what? I, I'm okay with it. And – People can't question it because this guy's won more games than anybody in the conference in the last three or four years. And, you know, you won a Big Ten title. You got a conference title out of it. You got two of the top five transfers in the transfer portal. Um, you beat a team in Texas. Um, and actually, if you really think about it, what well, was a couple of years ago, they went to Michigan, who was ranked second. They won. And then they beat uh, Texas, like I just mentioned. So you're not going to win every game. And nobody's going to like everything because if you look at, you know, Michigan State, people are kind of, Fed up with Izzo. You know, you, they lose a home to Northwestern. Is he too old? Maybe the old yelling doesn't work. You're not going to win every game, man. If people think you're going to win every game, you're kidding yourselves. This is not going to happen. Yep. Yep. Totally agree with you. So now we've got Missouri next Thursday night. Um, any final thoughts for uh, the fans as they are uh, kind of, you know, flipping on the podcast, wanting to hear a little bit about the Alabama A&M game? Uh, any any final thoughts? Here's what I'm going to say about Missouri. I know they haven't played anybody. They played Kansas. But if you're 9-0, 9-1, or 10-1, whatever their record is, beating those teams gives you confidence. And on a neutral court, you know, it's Saturday, and Michigan went down to the wide world with them. Uh, Purdue was struggling with Davison as we speak. Um, you need to win. You need to win the games you're supposed to win. And I'm gonna tell you, if Missouri on a neutral court gets hot, Illinois could be in trouble. The difference now this year versus years past, and I promised myself I wasn't gonna say this, but I'm going to. If you had a guy like Kofi today, this game is over in the first half because when you go in a five-minute scoring drought, you're gonna throw the ball into the big fella and he's gonna dunk on somebody. Well, they don't have that anymore. So now, when you play Missouri. If you're struggling on a neutral court, who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be the guy to step up? I'm going to go on record and say today, I think the guy who's going to be an offensive threat for Illinois when they play Missouri is 
Michael, AKK, Matthew Meyer. I think that guy is going to be it. He's finding his room. And when the big lights are on and in that environment, he's the guy that I'm going to be looking for. And I also think, for some reason, I think Sky Clark is going to come up huge. Yeah, and I think that that's those are some good names. And what I was happy with is uh, the way Terrence Shannon started attacking the basket, and hopefully he enjoyed um, how that felt, and uh, maybe he'll replicate that uh, more and more often as the game goes on. Well, thank you very much, um, Ked, for giving giving me uh, your update. We're going to uh, move over to Brad Sturdy, but first, um, one of the things everybody has to understand is is that I on the Illini is one of a family of podcasts brought to you by the Illini guys. IlliniGuys.com is the number one place to stay up with Illinois sports. Uh, that is, of course, uh, you go to IlliniGuys.com and you can register, uh, be $99 a year, and you get a full year of access to everything on our boards, which we have a lot of uh, message boards that will go uh, have Illini fans going back and forth. You can also ask Ked, well, hey, you said something in a podcast. Wanted to know what you meant by that. Well, that's we're all out there as well. And so it gives you an opportunity to get all the news that you expect on Illini sports and a little bit of why the uh, sausage got made the way it did. Things maybe that we can't put on a uh, news uh, you know, article because the people don't want their name on to it. So we don't have that uh, from a journalistic standpoint, but we can talk about rumors, innuendos, and things that are going on, and that's what makes it fun. Uh, and also, when we talk about um, other podcasts, uh, we have Sturdy for 30, which is Brad's uh, podcast, Brad Sturdy, longtime Illini insider, and Ked's Recruiting Roundup, which, as you who listened to I on the Illini last night, we talked about Aaron Henry the uh, newest defensive coordinator for the Illini football team. I also put a link in that podcast to Ked's recruiting roundup where he actually did a fascinating interview with Aaron Henry back in May. So if you want to kind of find out something about the new defensive coordinator, you can listen to uh, last night, December 16th, Eye on the Illini, and you can go back to, I believe it's the May 21st, uh, episode of Ked's Recruiting Roundup and get even more information. So those are some of the things that uh, we do here at IlliniGuys.com. And with Ked giving you uh, some of the ins and outs of recruiting, it is a fantastic and fascinating podcast to take a listen to. So now we're going to pivot and we are going to go to Brad Sturdy. So Brad Sturdy is with us now after doing the post-game uh, interviews, et cetera, with the team. Brad, um, you know, we talked with Kedrick Prince earlier, uh, Illinois winning over Alabama A&M 68-47, 21-point win, somewhat disappointing because uh, there was that half stretch that Illinois had that just they just didn't do much well on the offensive end of the court. So you were there, you were, you were at the state farm center. What are your initial thoughts coming off of that game? Well, I think they did. I kind of agree with what Underwood said post game where they, they did some good things defensively. Um, they made some strides defensively. I thought they had, uh, you know, had, had some moments where they were very good defensively. 
But I also thought, you know, they were really bad offensively for most of the night up until probably the last, you know, eight, ten minutes where they kind of turned it on. But it was um, – it's, you know, coming off of the way they played last Saturday, I think it was a little bit disappointing that, that they didn't come out and play better. But at the end of the day, if you're going to blow people out, you, you've got to make shots. And they're not making shots. They, you could – come up with all the reasons why this and that we could say the offense is this the offense is that but you're shooting 20 you know they hit a couple threes late but they were at one point shooting 17 percent from three and if you're shooting 17 percent from three on 23 attempts you're, you're not going to win very often yeah right. I mean, you know it's hard to win that way and because and that's what alabama a&m is a team that gives up threes that's what they do that's what their numbers say. I mean, it's a lot of those, a lot of people don't realize that they get caught in rotations because the way they defend, they give up threes. You make them, you're going to beat them. You're going to blow them out. You miss them, you get a little bit of a dog bite, and that's where Illinois was. But they have to shoot the ball better. I mean, I don't even, and I hate to say it's like, you know, Myers three out of six. The rest of the team, I think, was what four out of twenty-one or something like that. I mean, and a lot of those were late. You know, some of those are late, so I, they just have to shoot the ball better if they're going to win game or every game's going to be a dogfight. Now, when they shoot the ball well, you can see they can beat about anybody. Yeah, yeah, um, and and you know, so so we talked a little bit about um, you know the things that went well. It looks like Matt Meyer is starting to round into that player that everybody across the country wanted out of the transfer portal. What were your thoughts on his play today? That was great. You know, I, I thought Underwood, you know, he got his third foul with about 17-something to go. And it was like, when he went out, that was when they had, they, they, they had scored three. So it was a 3-0 run at that point. But then they went on a 13-0 run with him on the bench before they brought him back in. Yeah. I thought that was key. So his, 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 that was indicative of his impact uh, on the court. I thought he was, you know, really good, you know, because he can create offensively and, it, when you have guys, you know, he can, Shannon can get to the rim. If Meyer can get to the rim, and, you know, you really open the things up, um, you know, with the driving lanes and the ability. And also he can shoot. So I, I thought he was great. I, the one thing I'll say is I, I feel like they got to get everybody kind of clicking at the same time. And I think that's the part of it is that everybody's saying, well, it's just ISO ball. What well, really is it? It becomes ISO ball a lot because, they don't read things well. They don't connect well. They haven't kind of meshed from a fluidity standpoint. You know, they don't understand the right cuts and right reads and things at times. And so that's why there's 18 turnovers. That's why they're not shooting it well. That's why they, you know, it looks like it's ISO ball all the time. And 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 that's where they have to get better as the season goes on. But I thought Meyer is the guy. He's a number one player. If you go by from an analytics standpoint, he's number one player in the portal offensively, defensively together. Right. I mean, of the guys who were in the portal last year. So that's fantastic. That's exactly what you want from, from a guy that you, you went out and got. Yeah, and, and and I thought that, you know, that, that was a good summary because he really has turned the corner. Um, Terrence Shannon had 18 points uh, today, had 12 at the half, um, had a couple of stretches where he just didn't touch the ball much. But when he did, he was pretty effective. Any any thoughts on on him today? Yeah, I thought I agree. 
with you completely. I think there are times when he, you know, the one thing he always does, he always guards. I thought his defense was um, excellent. I, I think that there are times when he doesn't demand the ball and doesn't go get the ball, and they don't find him to get him the ball. Yep. Um, and, I, and I think that's a concern, you know, that they have to figure out going forward because there are games when they have to find a guy to score, and today was Meyer. But if he's, you know, not having a great day, now you need Shannon to step up. You need him to be kind of an impact guy. And um, I think he can be that guy. And I just think he's got to be a little more assertive. But I also think he's struggling right now with uh, the charges that he got called for in the games where he kept getting called for charges. With uh, the miss, his outside shot hasn't been as crisp and good as it was. You know, his percentage is down now around like 33%. This is where – so I think he's struggling a little bit. And, I, you know, I know he's a confident kid, but I think it's confidence. You, you start hesitating when yep. from the, even on the drives. He's hesitating, pulling up, doesn't – when to go. He's struggling on his shot. He hesitates just a little bit, and then you – or and then you take – you know, you don't shoot it, and you're like, I should have shot that. And the next time you force one. It, it's so mental, and people don't understand that. I don't think a lot of people – if you haven't played or coached, you don't maybe get that part of it, but it is such a mental game. And that's where he's just got to fight through it. And you're going to have a day when you hit five or six again, and then it'll maybe click for a while and you'll have, then you're going to go and fun. That's, that's part of shooting. That's part of college basketball. Yep. Yep. And, and, and even as athletically gifted as he is, the other teams out there trying to stop you as well, which fans don't really, really consider, you know, that the other team doesn't want him to score. Um <laughs> Like my wife always says, Mike, why didn't she just go score? Yeah. <laughs> well, those my, five my, other people out there are the problem, honey. <laughs> my daughter who scored, uh, you know, my daughter who had like 2,000 points, she'd say, why didn't she just go score? I said, well, because they have three people trying to stop her, honey. So it's not that easy. So. Yeah. Um, but the other – now, Coleman Hawkins, I'm going to posit a theory for you. You know, if, if I give you too much oxygen, that can be fatal. If I give you too much water, you drown. Um, has he just fallen in love with the assist a little too much and is just inadvertently passing up open looks because he is looking so hard to drop a dime for somebody? I, I think that's part of it. I think he wants to – I think he's showcasing his game because that's what fits. Um, I also think he's struggling with confidence in the jump shot a little bit. And then when you don't shoot it, like – clean and off the catch or shoot it right off when you shoot it. If you have that, again, that, that hesitation, now you don't make it as often because yep. you're hesitating. You're not in a rhythm. And I think that's where he's at right now. He's a, you know, he's, he's a such a talented player. He has great feel. He can six foot 10. He can handle a ball. He can, he can shoot it. Great passer. But, you know, defensively he can switch on one through five and do some things. But I just think he has to figure out, you know, when to shoot, when not to shoot. And some of that, he's never been in this role. And this sounds crazy, but this is his first year where he's kind of been a, a lead, you know, or a guy who has to, you know, facilitate offense. You know, yep. it's usually been, they've had other guys to do those things, you know, whether it was Trent or Kofi. You know, go play through Kofi, but Trent's kind of facilitator last year. And, and um, you know, Carbella was on the floor. He just has a different role. And now he's got to figure out how, how to do that and, you know, it sounds, you know, I think he hears the point forward. I'm going to be, oh, I'm going to facilitate. I had triple-double. All those things. That's all great. But sometimes you just got to go score. And 
that's yeah. where he, you know, yeah, you got to wind up the shot and knock it down. No, we're not shooting. You know, as I look at this, sometimes I would tell this, and, and this sounds like, I know this sounds crazy, but if you don't shoot a wide open shot, you're probably going to turn it over or take a contested shot later in the shot. Oh, gosh, so yes. You know, so, and I think it, it's hard for guys to understand that. Because then you're also saying you're studying situations. Like, well, this is probably not the time to shoot a three. And, and he knows that. And so sometimes he, so you're fighting with yourself a little bit when you have a – I think Cole is really smart. I'm basketball-wise, very high basketball IQ. And so what happens is he, he sometimes you, you think too much. You know, right. they say people are cerebral. If people are cerebral sometimes, that can be a bad thing because then they're, they're, uh, they got uh, paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, to- I totally, uh, I totally understand that. And, and, you know, it, I think too, you know, his heart's in the right place. He's trying to make the right play, but sometimes you just lose sight of the end goal. It's like, you know, and I know you want to get some assists and you want to help your teammates, but some, sometimes the two points or the three points, you know, if you score it, they still count the same and, and, you know, they're kids. That's, that's a part of their growing. Um, any other players that jumped out to you based on what you saw and and watched there from uh, the press row? It was interesting. I thought Ty Rogers had one of his best games. I know his numbers may not look as good from a scoring standpoint. And, he, yeah, he got picked at the end of the game. But I, I thought he was really good. He played free. He got up and down the floor. He pushed the ball, um, passed the ball. Uh, they used the lineup at times where Ty was the one um, – RJ was the two, Terrence the three, and then they had um, a Meyer and, and um, it was Meyer and Hawkins. So they had five guys who were like six six or big, six six to six ten, and looked like the flying Illini. Maybe they weren't yeah. quite that good, but you get the idea. And defensively, they could be really effective. So I think that's something you can look for because it's hard. I will say this: it's hard to have him and Sincere Harris on the floor with, especially if you have Dane Danger on there too. But if you have those three, it's really difficult. If you have those two of those guys on the floor, there's two guys that they don't really have to guard beyond the perimeter. Because although Sincere made some shots early, he's really struggling. Back to kind of regression to the mean. Ty doesn't shoot it. So I think the lineup, finding out lineup, is, is going to be uh, the biggest task for Brad Underwood for the rest of the season. Yes, yes. And, and we kind of noticed that as well. Um RJ Melendez, you know, fighting through shoulder, didn't play quite as much tonight. Um, the the other thing that came up is uh, that Ked brought up is, um, you know, it seems like the Big Ten Network has decided that uh, whenever under, you know, keep a keep a camera on Underwood. It's like the Ditka days, and if he gets mad, we're going to show it. And um, boy, that I don't know that that gives a fair representation of what. Brad Underwood is doing. You're there. You can see everything. Is he fuming mad the whole night? Because that's kind of the impression you get when you watch the Big Ten Network with the cameras that basically he's just angrier than heck the whole game. No, not at all. You know, I, they used to do that with Gene Key and John yep. Heathcote, those guys, Bobby Knight. But I think that Underwood's not even like that most of the time. He's pretty calm. You know, he's calling out plays, um, you know, what they're going to do, and he's just coaching guys. You know, occasionally he just sees a guy who's not – and it's, for him it's like not being aggressive. They're not being assertive. It's not really about missing. He is yelling guys for missing 
shots. Right. Those guys are in front of the floor, not taking shots. You know, so you know, it's about creating that mindset, that energy, and that you know, kind of the effort there. I think that's where he's kind of, um, you know, that's what he's trying to do with those guys to motivate him. And you know, people say, well, it doesn't work, but this guy doesn't work. I'll tell you what. At one point, Coleman Hawkins had four turnovers, four or five turnovers, and two points on free throws. That scored a basket. Um, only had a couple rebounds. The next thing you know, at the end, you know, he's got nine points. He's got three rebounds. He's got the, he's got more assists. And turn didn't turn it over again. Blocked the shot. I mean, I, I know it's maybe you think it doesn't work because of the immediate response, but sometimes it's like we, you kind of need it to kind of get ready to where you need to be because then you also think I can't play scared because I, I've already got the brunt of it. Now it's over. So now I'm just yep. gonna go play. Yeah. No. Uh, but somebody says, like, well, you know, I hear people say, well, just take him out. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, that's not as effective because, you know, then he's not on the floor for you. And when you have your impact players not on the floor, that really hurts you. And Exactly. I think people just have to, you know, it's part of it. I think it's overblown. Yeah, and there are some kids it doesn't work with. You you know, some kids don't like being yelled at. They, they take it personally. It's not personal. It's just, you know, wanting them to play better. So I think, yeah, it's uh, the Big Ten Network. I, I, obviously, I don't watch many games on TV. I, I watch the, you know, because I just see the, I'm live usually, so I don't get to see that. But, yeah, I think they do kind of play on that because it provides home entertainment. And the way the Illinois offense was, maybe that was the only entertainment we saw. But it was for about a 10-minute stretch, I will tell you that much, because that was really, that was as rough as, you probably got to go back to Underwood's first year um, to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thirty-three. I think you yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that, yeah, that, that was that was probably. I try not to think about that game. Um, it, it can put you instantly in a state of uh, depressive deja vu if you think about that one too long. Um, any other thoughts that that you think the fans would want to hear about um, coming out of the game here? Is before we close things up. Well, I would say that the one thing Illinois is trying to learn some new things. They start running some spread just to get more action. One thing about these guys, I don't know that they've run a lot of, you know, I think Shannon has, has ran a lot of set plays. I think uh, Fire ran a lot of set. Um, and Baylor. And so I don't think they're quite as familiar. Then you got a bunch of freshmen, right? So yep. they haven't played a lot of freestyle. So I think that they're learning. And they're, they, they find out that you know, we've all found this coaching. You think you got a good group. You think they can do this because they're skilled and talented. And you're like, ah, we'll just get them out there. Just, you know, we're going to just run some motion, right? Run motion. Go screen. Pass. Take away. Cut. Here. We got some reads. Whatever. Off this. Well, then they get out there and they kind of get snaked because they don't have a – and it sounds – I hate, like, those continuity offenses or X. Run your X. Sometimes you almost got to do that just to get them moving. And that's what the spread would do. It's not about getting that – you know, ball screen or dribble handoff or throwing the ball, the guys have through it, you know, using a pitch post in this regard. It, it's about getting players to move and change sides and getting ball reversals. Because when right. you get ball reversals, good things happen. The ball does stick. That's when you get in trouble. And, and the ball sticks a lot with these guys. And that's just the way they are. You know, you, you wish you had every team to be like, you know, go back to the 2004-05 Illini where the ball didn't stick. Right. You know, and, and, ball moving, you know, got guys like, boom, 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 you know, the, the you 
get him going. I think you're going to see more of that moving forward. Yeah, I always like coaching the more of a I don't know, more of a read react motion offense than I did set plays. I just didn't like to have to remember that much, and I always found that when I was coaching AAU, there was a bunch of kids that literally could could have a hard time learning their own high school offense. That if I if I, if I ran plays, they were, we were done. <laughs> wasn't gonna yeah. just wasn't gonna happen. Um, so uh, I think about last year. Think about the plays they ran last year were to get the ball in the paint, right? To get the ball yeah. in the yep. So many of the plays were set up, and you really only have four guys who were around last year, or, or three guys who are playing right now. You know, Melinda, right. Hawkins, um, or two guys, I guess, really. Right? Yeah, really, it's two. Because uh, you know, so you only got a couple guys who were playing a lot of minutes last year and knew things. So the sets are going to be different because you don't have a Kobe Coburn as well, so you're going to play differently, but. You know, they ran a lot last year, so now even those guys aren't familiar with maybe sometimes what they're supposed to do. And I think, you know, the read and react, I think Coleman does a pretty good job with it at times. But sometimes I think RJ struggles with it because he, yeah. he gets stacked a little bit. And, you know, that's where he's going to make strides as the year goes on. That's why I think this team's going to be really good come March. Um, but they're not there yet. Right. Um, so a couple things before we close, a couple questions I wanted to ask you. How's Luke feeling? Well, it was really good, you know, um, to see Luke out there without a walking boot shooting. And they were flat-footed shots, but not jumping. And, but the fact that he's not in a walking boot is very good. Um, they're, they're targeting, you know, we'll see how it all – they think, you know, in, you know in, he would hit like mid-January, you know, um, and he'd be back, you know, com- competing, practicing, and playing. And that's important because they – first of all, he's a great shooter. Yes. And he's tough. By multiple positions, you have a guy who plays hard. Um, I, I, so I think he's a really nice fit for what they need and, and fills a role that they, you know, they, they could really use this season. Um, and then, of course, Connor Servant also, uh, you know, he's kind of one of the, I know he's a depth piece, but earlier in the year he was ahead of Brandon Lee for that third big man spot. And, and uh, it looks like he's in a walking boot now, too. So I've um, kind of got another injury bug going. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, I guess as a final thing, um, Illini fans are obviously going to be getting prepared for next Thursday's um, game against the hated Missouri Tigers. Any thoughts going into that as you look at it right now? I know we're going to have a ton of coverage on the IlliniGuys.com, but uh, any thoughts here as you're you're looking towards that uh, Missouri team? Yeah, I mean, obviously they're new, they're exciting. They haven't really played a difficult schedule. You know, they haven't really played – they haven't played a schedule like Illinois has, where Illinois played Texas, UCLA, Virginia, you know, among others, not to mention, you know, even Syracuse. Who, uh, you know, so you go down the list, Illinois played a really tough schedule. And, and Missouri has a nice record, but they haven't really played that schedule. But this is one of those games where these young guards – and young players tend to struggle in this atmosphere. And I, you go back and look. Yep. And, and for years, and, and like when you rely on young guys, so they need Matthew. I think Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins, guys who've been there, RJ Melendez, I think are going to have be ready to go, and they're going to have good games. And I think that's going to be the key. I really like Illinois in this matchup. I think it match up pretty well with Missouri. I think both teams. And, and you know, we'll see what you know what they. I, I know Dennis Gates is doing a fantastic job there at Mizzou, and they will do a 
good job. So, you know, this always, I hopefully, hopefully it becomes a game where these teams are both top 25 level teams moving forward because, man, that atmosphere is fantastic. Although I will say it, they sell it out anyway. The Illinois fans just buy up the extra Mizzou tickets. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this, this way is the way to go anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Well, perfect. Thanks so much for uh, getting, you know, getting on the uh, horn with us and talking about the game. And, of course, folks, um, the last area that you can uh, catch our stuff is the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular, which is our weekly uh, two-hour radio show. All you need to do is go to IlliniGuys.com, hit the radio button, and you can find what city is closest to you. Find the day of the week that it's on. That's either Friday or Saturday, and it's a two-hour show. Tune it in, and uh, you hopefully will uh, enjoy it. And we would also ask you to email, call, um, smoke signal, whatever you need to do to let the radio station know that you appreciate them choosing to broadcast the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. So with that, folks, this will be the end of this episode of Eye on the Illini. We will have much more coming as there are a lot of things going on in the world of football with signing day coming up and the transfer portal heating up. So be looking on your feed. Make sure you subscribe. You do not want to miss anything. Go Illini.